Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. That thought is going to be this present, this conscious, this in the foreground for the rest of your life. Nothing you can do about it. That's just how it is. How do you want to shift your relationship to it now that you know it will forever be there just like this? What do you do inside? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We're continuing our exploration of meditation for awakening, and today we're looking at what really holds us back, the ego. The ego is going to hijack your experience of meditation, inevitably, and life, really, as long as it's in the driver's seat. We cannot kick it out of the car altogether, but we can move it to the passenger seat by developing a better understanding of what you really are. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Meditation for Awakening course available at clearandopen.com. If you want to take your practice to the next level and save some time in the process, head over to courses.clearandopen.com to find the course. Also, it's that time again. Clear and Open's spring quarter begins April 1st, 2021 with the next live course, The Psycho-Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. You may have heard of the Enneagram, or maybe not, but the way most people relate to it is just as another personality typing system, but it's actually the mother or father of all personality typing systems. When you understand the model, you can literally see that every personality typing system we have, and there are so many these days, is simply derivative of this model, the Enneagram. The Enneagram is so powerful that it changes the way you relate to yourself and others irrevocably. You will wonder how you ever lived without it. This is not an exaggeration, especially if you manage people. I often say you cannot effectively manage people. You simply cannot without knowing the Enneagram. I'm not exaggerating. This course will be a deep dive into the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, aspects not usually talked about, which have immense ramifications everywhere in your life. Not knowing the Enneagram is like not knowing your own gender, in my opinion, because it sheds that much light on who you are, what drives you, and how to be the best version of yourself. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know I don't hype stuff like this. This is, uh, that's not like me, but I'm really serious. It is, for me, for anyone who is on a consciousness or healing path, it is required. It is mandatory. You've got to learn this. It's the ABCs in some ways of the uh, psycho-spiritual development world. I use it constantly in my work with people. When you know it deeply, it's like having x-ray vision into yourself and others. In this 11-week course, for the first time, I'm going to try to anyway, impart that ability to you. It's not going to be easy, but if you take the course seriously, you will have that x-ray vision. Sound interesting? To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. That's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Again, it's clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's start the show. 
So I have a question. Um, Please. It's basically concerning, you know, thoughts, but thoughts attached to fear. So the past, say, couple months in meditation, I've noticed that literally every thought in some way, shape, or form is fear-related. So it's either, you know, fear of whatever, fear of the future, fear of something happening, financial insecurity, whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, I just feel like, I just feel like it's like a fear meditation nowadays. (laughs) Like, that's it. So, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to, what am I going to stress about in this meditation, this morning meditation? You know, because I can't, I feel like I may, I feel like I need to get past it. Yeah, that's the problem. Yes, right. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. Trying to control things. Okay. Yeah. Bef- before you said, uh, I feel like I need to get past it. I was going to ask the question: What is your relationship to the fearful thoughts? Yeah. And then you answered the question: I feel like I need to get past it. Who says? M- my ego. I, yeah. I- yeah. Right. So he's a great example. Thanks for bringing this, Kurt, because I'm sure you're helping lots of people. Because, you know, whether or not there's a pandemic happening, you know, there's always going to be days where that's how it is. Something comes up, you foolishly look at your email in the morning before meditation, and now your mind's going on that and it's trying to solve the problem. And then the, the ego is the one who wants to have a different experience than the experience you're having. That's it. The ego is so sure what kind of experience you're supposed to be having. And then you sit down and and meditate, and then you've got all this baggage of conditioning and aspirations because, you know, you may have worked through some of that conditioning, but you don't really know what your expectations were going into meditation until you're done. And then you feel some kind of disappointment. Like, oh, I didn't in, fill in the blank. I'm, I'm not enlightened yet. I'm not more relaxed. I didn't have that spacious cosmic experience. I don't feel more grounded. Whatever was unconsciously or consciously your expectations or desires, you often find them out after the fact or during. And that's the ego who wants to use meditation to change your experience. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Because if you're not meditating from the ego that wants to have a better experience, then what do you meditate from? Now, sort of sidebar here, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve your experience. That's a great motivator for lots of stuff. That's what causes us to paint the house and you know, mentor employees better and improve the quality of our products and services and be able to public speak without saying ums and uhs. It motivates all sorts of improvement. There's nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful. It's just the domain of ego. It's the domain of of self-improvement. And meditation can be used for self-improvement, but it will never wake you up. See, see, I was stoked when I, when I found that out, right? Because I'm like, oh my God, everything, all my whole life, I am, I have been, my life has been run by fears. 
you know, and oh my God, I'm, I'm actually going into my reality with these fears and this is true. And she's going to do that to me and he's going to, and none of it's true, but, but it's all fear-based. Yeah. And so I thought I made a major breakthrough when, when I realized this. You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, you know, the breakthrough, the breakthrough, let's be, I'm going to make sure I didn't miss it. The breakthrough was realizing your life was run by fear. That is, that was it. Yeah, that is a breakthrough. What's the next one? Because yesterday's breakthrough is today's stuckness. Right. So what's, what's the next one? That's an amazing breakthrough. That's a breakthrough that 90% of people on the planet will never have. So what's next? Go back to sitting. I don't why, know. Do you, why do you need the fearful thoughts to go away? Because I, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I know that my life has been run, run by, by fearful thoughts and, I mean, made bad, really bad decisions and, and maybe some good decisions. But, mm-hmm. okay, so I learned the lesson. Can we, can we move on? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's another step to the lesson. You okay. got part A. Part B is, so this is really common. People will sort of suddenly have a revelatory moment and say like, wow, I've, my life has been run by fear. So then there's a sort of semi-conscious conclusion there that you already spoke to. Well, I need to get the fear to go away. And then my life won't be run by fear. Right. Right. Okay. And in the domain of growing up, like through therapy, for example, you can do things that will mitigate that fear, make it less sticky. And all those things are, are wonderful and useful and I use them. But in meditation, and I'll do this a lot, This is the domain of waking up, and it's really important. You could use meditation to learn to manage fear better. You could, but that's the ego would be doing that, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different domain. You can play baseball in the ocean, right? You can do that too, but it's not going to be the highest form of baseball, (laughs) right? So you can manage your fear. I almost said in the ocean. (laughs) You can you can manage your fear in meditation, but what you'll end up doing is muscularizing your ego, and then you're not going to get you're not going to be on the meditation path. So, what do you do with uh, fear in meditation? You disbelieve it. You see it without believing it. There's the fear. Because the only way fear can run your life is step one, fearful thought. That you cannot control. Step two, belief in the fearful thought. Step three, action based on that belief. And there is a thick line right below one because you can change two and three, but you can't change one. But like the excited dog, I think I've used up my metaphor allocation for the day. I can only use the pre-existing metaphors now. Like the excited dog, you can't calm it down. You can't get rid of the fear. 
Now, a therapist would say, nonsense. You can go back and process and, and yeah, you can do things with that. My experience, I've done more therapy than most people will do in many lifetimes. My experience is you get to a place of diminishing returns and you can process a fair amount of that fear, but you get to, you guys know what an asymptote is? One of my favorite words, asymptote. Of course, Zach knows him as well. He's probably, been, Zach's been studying uh, math more recently than all of us. Asymptote, let's review. That's a curve that gets closer and closer to a line, to an axis usually, but never reaches it. So it's one away, then 0.1 away, then 0.01 away, then 0.001, never reaches it. So in my experience, the the growing up domain, processing fear, processing childhood wounds that produce fear, all of that, it's asymptotic. You can make gains, but you never disappear the fear. And that's sort of the, I would say, one of the secrets of therapy that they don't want you to know, like that the therapist still themselves is working on their shit. I'm not saying it isn't useful to do. And I would say in the process of waking up, it can be really useful because in the process of waking up, you can run into issues that will push up growing up issues. And therapy can be a really useful tool for that job. It's just important to see that they're different things. And growing up will not cause you to wake up. Waking up will cause you to grow up in some ways. They, Joseph, can I, can I ask you, can you step back to the one, two, three? Yes, please. And I'll step forward. <laughs> when you did the one, two, three and the hard line was under the one, huh? I, I need to hear it again if that's possible. Uh, One was you have the thought or better said, the thought has you because you didn't create it in the first place. And just that realization can be really useful. And this is something you can do in idle time. Just, you know, like suddenly you're thinking about, I I have one of my mind's tricks is it has really powerfully good memory about terribly bad events in my life. So I'll be, you know, like going to the post office. Then I'd be like, remember that super humiliating time when this happened? I'm like, really? Wow. I'm feeling it almost like it's happening right now. Amazing. And what you can do in that moment is if you have the thought, this is the key thing. The thought has you. Let's use that language. The thought has you. And then you have an emotional reaction, a body reaction, a sensation. Your heart starts beating fast whatever, as if it's actually happening, you believed the thought. Now, you may not realize you believed the thought. That's usually the case. Because if you were fully conscious, then you would have, there would have been a moment where you're like, yeah, let's believe that as if it's true. Right? Like if I said, imagine right now, you know, imagine I do a five-minute guided meditation where you're imagining you're lying on the beach and it's you know, hearing the birds sing and the crashing of the ocean, right? It would cause you to relax. You can do that. The mind can do that. You can create an experience, a virtual reality experience by believing a set of thoughts. We do this all the time, productively. You know, when you think about climbing a 20-foot ladder and your mind's like, hey, this is what it might feel like if you fall off onto the concrete floor and you kind of go like that, that's really useful. Rather than, you know, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. There's no way I could get hurt, which is not true. 
So the mind's there being like, hey, this is, here's some imagination support. And this is what might happen. The problem is to the degree you think you are your mind, you believe everything it serves up and you're not really at choice in a way. So, you know, when I'm about to climb a ladder and my mind reminds me what it would be like to fall down and how much that would hurt, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Thanks for the reminder. Got it. But when it reminds me of that really embarrassing moment in eighth grade, I'm like, okay, what's, how are you trying to help me here? I don't, I don't get the connection. Is it about not doing that when I interact with the postal worker? I don't see it. And it can be useful to inquire. Maybe it's trying to get your intention for a reason. So step one, thought has you. Step two, you believe the thought, but you probably didn't notice that you believe the thought. And so what meditation, one of the things that will help you do is slow down the videotape of your experience so that you see like train cars that are linking up. The thought arises. Sometimes then it just dissipates. Another thought arises. Oh, suddenly my heart's beating fast. Hmm, what happened? The thought goes away. And eventually you'll start to actually see the mechanism of when you believe the thought. You can see that. And you become more at choice at it. But that makes it sound like a technique. It's, it's not like a technique in my experience to be used. What happens is, it's not like a retail thing. It's more like a wholesale thing. You, you see so many thoughts coming and going and you have the direct experience thousands of times that you're not the one thinking them. And that causes a disidentification from the mind that creates an automatic non-believing of the thoughts. You just are less prone to believing the thought in the first place because you see them for what you are, what they are. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.